Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Journey Now podcast by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, please visit journeytn.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Journey Now podcast. I'm Susie Lynn, your host on Fridays when we drop episodes containing conversations with Journey partners and friends on the things that are forming us to become more like Jesus and live like he did. This month, we're focusing on love, not just the romantic kind, but the kinds of love that are more difficult to live out. So today, I have a conversation here for you with my actual neighbor who I actually kind of love. Her name is Elizabeth Madeira. She's a wife and a mom who was involved in our local elections this past year. We talk a little bit about her family, her adoption journey, and how her faith in Jesus has informed the way she tries to love her neighbor and community well, even when she doesn't agree. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Elizabeth. Have a wonderful day, whatever it is you're doing as you're listening in. Hey, Elizabeth, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to um, just we're just starting to get to know each other and um, I've been kind of watching you from afar and I, we, our kids played baseball together a few years ago. So we know each other a little bit, but I um, have really admired the way I've watched you kind of navigate your faith and entering into um, civic life and community life here. We live in the same neighborhood, so many things. Um, so I'm excited for our community to to get to know you and to hear your story and be just encouraged by your life experience and the things that you're even currently learning. Oh, well, thank you. I'm excited to share. And it was really an honor that you would ask me. Awesome. Well, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, your family? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually grew up in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I was baptized into the Catholic church because my mom grew up Catholic. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, switched over to the Lutheran church because my dad's family is German Lutherans, like for generations. Wow. And then, yes. And then interesting, <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, when we moved when I was in third grade, the only church they could agree on was a Baptist church. So... <laughs> Most of my growing up years were in an evangelical Baptist church, um, had a really sweet, um, really sweet childhood and mm. teenage years growing up in a small community in a close knit church and came down to Nashville to go to Belmont and have now ended up in the Episcopal church because that is where my now husband has been plugged in at St. Bartholomew's. So I have been there for about 15 years. So I so you found your way back to your liturgical roots. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So um, I feel like I can, I can feel comfortable with a bulletin from whichever denomination I end up in. That's awesome. Well, I know several people from St. B's and it seems like such a refuge place for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like a really wonderful community. And your husband is the music minister there? Yes. Yes. He's the music director. And I'm not going to remember for how many years it's been, maybe about eight. So, but he um, 
got involved in the church volunteering in the music ministry in college. And then when we were early married, became just a very part-time choir director and then transitioned into the role as a full-time music director about the same time he was getting his doctorate in worship studies. Wow, cool. Yeah, I feel like he, and the worship studies degree is actually closer to theology than a music degree. Uh So I feel like it's really neat to learn from, it was neat to learn from him along his journey about the place of music as part of worship and not all of worship. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, until recently, you were also on staff there, right? Yes. So once we had, um, so we have three kids. Our Mm -hmm. oldest is getting dangerously close to nine. And um, we adopted him, brought him home from the hospital as a baby. And then when we were planning to adopt a second time, I decided to go into part-time work and was the Sunday school director I guess, slash children's formation mm-hmm. coordinator. I don't know. The the term kind of <laughs> changed over the years, but helped organize Sunday school teachers and um, from preschool up to sixth grade for several years. Cool. Yeah. Which was um, as a, my career choice was Spanish teacher, but also always felt really comfortable in ministry and children's ministry. And so it was a really neat way to be involved in Christian education and yeah. the children and the teachers and ministering to all of them um, and have stepped away now, but I always have a sweet place mm-hmm. in my heart for that position. That's awesome. And then you had a third baby, right? Yes. Yes. So yes, adopted twice, brought both kids home from the hospital and then mm-hmm. Goodness, again, since COVID, time seems to have no meaning. So right. <laughs> at some point along the way, we were very grateful to have health insurance include fertility treatments. Okay. Um, went and did IVF. It was successful on the first time in terms of getting pregnant, but we actually at 21 weeks, I ended up losing um, oh. our daughter Miriam to stillbirth, um, which was, it was very traumatic and definitely Mm -hmm. a huge part of my faith journey and the, the effects, um, yeah, the effect that had on my spiritual life in addition to life in general. And then, um, gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. It's, um, it was definitely the worst and most traumatic thing I've been through in my life, but I feel like it has, God definitely became real to me in a new way. And Mm -hmm. I've been able to minister to so many other women and since then. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know that pain is what really changes us. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, of course we are, will always be devastated at that loss. But how long ago was it? Um, It was August of 2016. Okay. So 2016 was a big year of a lot of shaking up in my faith. And Mm -hmm. then 2017, we were able to do IVF and transfer our last little good embryo. That's now a wild and crazy three and a half year old. So we've got... What's her name? She's Sonia, Sonia Jane. And what are your older two names? I know Nathaniel's your oldest boy. 
Yes. And then we have Evie or Evelyn, which okay. um, both our oldest two kids. It's funny. We had about 24 hours to name them. Mm-hmm. We, we have, they were adopted from two different agencies and we have the fastest adoption stories at both of those agencies. That's amazing. <laughs> and, but it's so interesting. The name Evelyn was not on our radar, but it fit really well with the name her birth mom chose, which is her middle name of Macy. Mm-hmm. And Evelyn means light and life and wished for child. And Aww. it is amazing how many people say she is such a light. And we're like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's <her> name. <laughs> she lived up to her name. And then of course, Sonia, I was pregnant and found out at 12 weeks, she was a girl and she wasn't named until she was three days old and we brought her home from the hospital. Oh my goodness. That's great. So I'm like, apparently we just needed a deadline. Did you have Miriam's name picked out before the 21 week mark or did you name her after? So we, um, so I actually, 10 days before she was stillborn, we, my water broke. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we had that experience at the hospital where they said she's probably not going to make it. And so, and we were not a hundred percent sure it was a girl, but we had an earlier ultrasound that suspected she was a girl. And from that point we were like, we don't know how long she's going to be with us. And we want to call her by her name. And Mm. my husband at the time was doing his doctoral research on the Psalms. Mm -hmm. He was studying one of the Psalms that was written, um, called Miriam's song. Yeah. And, um, and it was actually a name that had meant a lot to me when I was like in high school and read through redeeming love, which I think yes, read Francine <laughs> Rivers. <laughs> so, so we, um, and so we just really thought, you know, it just seemed like a really meaningful name for those reasons. And so we got to call her by her name for those 10 days. And um, mm. so, yeah. Um, I love that she has a name and you still speak about her by name. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we've definitely, well, and we, our big kids will talk about her because, you know, they knew mommy was pregnant and Mm -hmm. had a baby in her belly and they were there for that. And so I think it's really, I mean, our kids are also adopted, which is a unique story for many. So I feel like we just have a family dynamic that we're open to talk about and ask questions about anything. That's so great. Yeah. They, Sometimes they lean into that a little heavy, but mm-hmm. yeah. I think in the long run, it's really great that we're able to talk about hard things. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, I feel like we can talk about so many things on this podcast because I know. your kids are also biracial, right? Your yes. your big kids. So, yes. like, there are so what we're gonna have. We're gonna have to have a um, a month long adoption and foster care because there's so many great stories in our community with families that have grown their families through adoption. And, and then you bring in the, the biracial stuff too, which is like a, like, I mean, it's always a thing, but it's become more um, um, visible for people, I guess would be the word in with the events of 2020. And I think, gosh, there's so much there that we could talk about. But this month, we're focusing on love. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Which is all those things that we just talked about. But also, I really want to hear from you, Elizabeth, about 
your love for your community. Um, I mean, you, I know just in the short time I've known you, you love your church community, your um, little community in Franklin, you've loved your school community well, and you um, dipped your body, I was going <laughs> to say toe, but <laughs> probably your whole body, you got baptized into politics <laughs> um, this last season because you love your state and your country, I'm assuming. And so that has taken on a lot of different meanings for people mm-hmm. lately. Yes. Um, so, I mean, what is that? I mean, you have your faith journey. You shared with us what you inherited in your faith journey. But what is, how has your faith journey and your theology informed your, the way you've made decisions and how to love people? That's a big question oh. to start with. Well, yes. I guess I could. <laughs> Let's see. Um, for part one, no. Um, I goodness, I feel like. Well, I'm glad that I'm talking to the pastor from the journey because goodness, I feel like that's what my story is—is is all yeah. about a journey. And mm-hmm. um, I did not pay any attention to politics for most of my life. I was excited to vote for the first time. I believe when I turned. 19 or 20 was my first presidential election. And so I always thought it was important to vote, Mm -hmm. but I never really paid attention to what that means. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. get down to policy and values. And I will, but I did always identify as conservative because also I grew up in the church. I grew up evangelical Mm -hmm. and those things kind of went hand in hand. And I think a big turning point for me was um, Sandy Hook actually. Wow. Yeah. Shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Nathaniel, our oldest was one and I was still teaching or actually, no, he was only six months old and I was still teaching at an elementary school. And I just remember it f- feeling so personal and scary. Oh gosh. Yeah. Cause they yeah. shared personal stories. Like mm-hmm. the teachers talked about how they hid kids in their mm-hmm. cupboards in their classrooms and stuff. I mean, right. Oh, I remember that. And it was very much like, what would I do? How do we talk to the students about this? What if this happens at my kid's school one day? I know I was obviously not the only person for whom it hit really personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the aftermath of that was when I really started paying attention to policy because I thought, you know, I grew when I was, I was in high school when Columbine happened and I thought, goodness, school shootings are getting to be so normal. Mm-hmm. We, we should see some policy that comes out of this that even with all partisan fighting, we should be able to agree that we want kids to be safe in schools. And so what are going to be the policy ramifications? And I kept waiting and paying attention to the news and felt like they were not able to get anything done. And that's when I really started to pay attention to what policies actually affect us in our communities, what policies affect our kids in schools, when we go to the park, Mm -hmm. um, all those kinds of things. And so once I really started paying attention and then, you know, had two biracial kids that really opened my eyes to a lot of, I started paying attention to um, the number of police shootings against um, Mm -hmm. our black brothers and sisters and feeling really, I will at this point in my life, I feel embarrassed. It took me so long to be aware of the systems of injustice and the systems of racism that are just, in the air we breathe and they're just Mm -hmm. baked into the system. And 
the more I started paying attention, it especially became personal to me because I thought, oh my goodness, I'm never going to want my son to get his driver's license. Um, yeah. That sounds really scary. What if that could be him? And so started paying attention, listening a lot. I know you said you had Anthony Hendricks on here. So voices mm -hmm. like his in the community and Chris Williamson and um, listened a lot to, started listening to Pass the Mic podcast, which has- Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jamar Tisby on there and mm -hmm. um, really just felt like, I don't, it's hard to explain, but it felt like all of a sudden my eyes were open to a part of mm -hmm. life that I had been very naive to. And so I just, and I am an Enneagram one. Mm -hmm. And so very, and learned this at about the same time too, that I'm very driven by justice and um so in a root cause person, I don't want to put band-aids on things. I want to that get that makes to, like, so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hear Enneagram yeah. people at Journey, a lot of us are. And so like, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. You're a one. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny when you hear people's Enneagram numbers and you're like, yeah. oh, yep, that tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um just realized I really want to be a part of the solution to what I think are policy issues um, that feel that I'm really passionate about. And so one of those is definitely racial injustice. It's mm -hmm. personal to me. And, and I think it's, I think a lot of the church is on the same journey and realizing what we have unintentionally been a part of for so long. Mm -hmm. And so to me, loving my community, loving my fellow citizens, whether it's right next door, down the street, or a different part of the state, I am really driven by justice and fairness and wanting to get to yeah. the systems. So, um, and to me, and one thing that's so great about the Enneagram and all of our different parts of the body mm -hmm. of Christ is that everybody has different callings and what it means to love their community. Right. So. Um, like I look at my sister and brother-in-law and they have become um, like a part of the big brother, little brother system. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, really influencing and loving and changing the life of one kid and his family. And I look at people um, like Anthony Hendricks, I believe is one of the founding or was a previous CEO of Graceworks and mm -hmm the beautiful ways that they are loving and taking care of the community there. Mm -hmm. And to me, I also feel like changing the political policies that are in place is something we also have to do, even though I think, goodness, it felt really uncomfortable for me to, first of all, talk about politics on Facebook. Anybody who's Facebook friends with me now will think that's weird, but I promise five years ago, it was really uncomfortable to talk about anything. Well, I do think you do a really good job of trying to be um, like, I think you do a really good job of engaging people who may not necessarily be in your quote unquote camp or mm -hmm. even in agreement with some of the things that you you're for or whatever. I I've, I've noticed that you've done a really good job of that. Oh, well, thank you. And I think that's really important because I really, mm -hmm. I do also think that I am not always correct. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important as Christians and as someone who wants to be a leader that we listen to people that have different views or different ideas. 
and that we listen in kindness and with respect because I may be very convinced of an idea that I think is right, but I may not get, none of us have the whole story. And so I think it's really important to listen to other people. And so I want to create that kind of a space on my Facebook page, which sounds really silly. <laughs> um, but I think so many of us in, well, I'm seeing so many of us that are in positions of Christian leadership in our church or in our community in some way mm -hmm. feel that we feel deeply that discomfort of getting into anything seemingly political, especially because we've seen how sometimes it's been misused and faith has been for misused sure. for political reasons. And I want to be really sensitive to that, but I think we cannot get to solutions or to common ground or any progress if we're not willing to talk about the hard things. I think it's great. I mean, we did a, um, during the election season, we did a series at journey on the politics of the kingdom and just talked a lot about the difference between politics and partisanship and yes. that our allegiance is to the kingdom of God first. Mm -hmm. And, um, that the church is a political entity in and of itself. And when you call Jesus Lord, that was a political statement in, in the, in his days. Um, and so to say that we're not meant to be political is, you know, what do you actually mean by that? But um, what I hear you saying is for you, Elizabeth, you have felt called to love people and put your energy towards you know, you know, that kind of civic engagement where you can have a voice in the change and, and be part of that. So that's, I think that's really great. So Elizabeth, tell me how that's been for you as far as your desire. I love the humility that I hear in that, you know, knowing that being very aware that you could be wrong and that it's important to listen to people who think differently than you and believe differently than you. Um, how has that been for you as far as um, you wanting to be engaged as a, I mean, you talk a lot about your, your faith when you talk about policy, when you, I, when you're on Facebook or wherever you, you do your, your YouTube videos were amazing, by the way. Your, oh, thank you. Um, I just loved it. Just the, the realness of your life as a mom and, and you talk about your church involvement and your faith. And um, so how, how is that, how is that working for you? Like, how do you, how do you navigate actually living out what you just said, being able to be that way? Mm -hmm. And yet here you are, you have to declare that you're part of a party, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's um, again, a, there was a lot of discomfort and mm -hmm. I also knew that running for public office meant I was going to have to be really vulnerable mm -hmm. and open to a lot of criticism. And even now, I think it's interesting running for office during COVID. I wonder, oh, when I start going out in public again, I wonder if people will recognize me. Mm -hmm. Since, <laughs> um, But I think that to me, and I also understand that there's a lot of people that say we should not talk about faith at all in politics because there should be a separation between mm -hmm. church and state. And I think that's completely valid. But I thought in 
running for office and in using my platform mm-hmm. to speak, I feel like I have to be me and who I am is a Christian and who wants to make, um, whether it's stances or policy decisions, if I ever were to be elected based on what I feel the call um, that Christ has for us. And Mm -hmm. we can look at the Bible and say, he tells us, love your neighbor as yourself, take care of the least of these. Um, I mean, boy, we could list all kinds of um, commandments from God and from Jesus. And that doesn't tell us, you know, God doesn't tell us what that is in a lineup of policy. Right. Right. Just like it also doesn't tell us exactly how to raise our kids. Mm-hmm. But we can use um, those callings and those commandments to guide us and to listen to everybody who feels that that is their calling and views it differently to work together. And I think I'm so, I'm reminded that Politics is not, we've turned it into partisan, partisan politics in the U.S. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of, boy, do I have um, a lot of thoughts and concerns about our current state of elected politics and partisan partisanship. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, we are all political because politics is how we, and governance is how we live together in our community, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a traffic a traffic light or the school policies, whether our schools are, I mean, now we're living it more than ever with virtual in-person, et cetera. And so I think to be aware of what's happening and to be involved and to not be afraid to let our elected officials know if we agree or disagree, I think is all part of just living together in a community. And I think the more we can have these conversations, the less divisive it will be. Mm. So I hope that that's what I live out in my life, whether it's on social media or having a conversation with a parent at the pickup line with masks on from over six feet away. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That I just think um, we're going to live more fulfilled and happy. Happy seems like a very surfacey word, but more fulfilling as a community together when we listen to each other and are willing to have the hard, uncomfortable conversations. That's really good. Um, when we were chatting earlier before before we started recording, we were talking about 2020 and just all the things that have been revealed, right? <laughs> Through the whole everything. Yeah. I mean, let's let's just call it 2020 slash 21 because I feel like this is just 2.0 right now yeah. so far. Yeah. So um, um, for you, what? And we, the other thing we talked about is somebody had mentioned to you that the church goes through like a transformation every 500 years like a big shake up or move like so what are what are you um what have you seen god reveal in you what did you learn about yourself through this last year what did you learn about him yeah well through I think something that has been revealed in 2020 and especially 2021, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry that this is not specifically about me, but I am seeing one thing that I think this big 500 year change is bringing to light is a lot of Christian nationalism Mm -hmm. and realizing how much that formed me growing up and how, Mm. to be honest, it's, that is not Christianity. That is 
Christian nationalism is not faith. It's more of a political ideology that sounds a lot like Christian faith. But you feel like that's what formed you in your earlier years? Part, some, some. I feel like yeah. not as, I feel really grateful that, um, that I have been able to move away from that in my mm-hmm. adult life. But I also feel like the more I learn about it, the more I realize how all-encompassing it is to so much of our culture and how that's the dangerous part of faith and politics coming together. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, if I can um, recommend another podcast, the Christianity Today podcast had one, and they said um, one thing that was really startling to me was that I think two thirds of white evangelicals said, agreed with the statement that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were divinely inspired by God. Two thirds. Two thirds. Wow. And I thought, well, that's kind of a problem. (laughs) (laughs) As much as, yeah, as much as I think, of course, in the in America the foundations of our country go back to those documents and they are very important as Christians. Our allegiance is to Christ Uh and to him revealed in the Bible Uh and to get those confused um, is a detriment to our own faith and to our communities. And so um, that's something I feel grateful does, but I think that it's also as someone who grew up in evangelicalism, we have to, I have to look at my own faith to see what parts of that may be intertwined. And sure. There are some areas that I need to let go of. And um, boy, 2020 really, I will say, really reinforced to me that Christian faith and life is communal. Mm-hmm. And we can't do it alone. We have to do it together. And that looks really different in 2020. That means a lot of Zoom meetings and text threads and YouTube church services. Um, But that it also means that to me, looking around at Christian faith, it it also means we are sacrificing our personal comforts for the sake of others. And nothing like a pandemic where you have to upend your life and wear a mask and not meet in, ch- meet in person at church for a long time. And that's really sad. And that's really sad and disappointing and a loss. Um, but knowing that part of living in community with each other and showing that love of neighbor is being able to take those steps of selflessness to protect other people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, for me, that's, I think, I'm always learning so much more about community and how much we belong to each other. Yeah. And, um, that it really comes to connection. And sometimes mm-hmm. that connection isn't always physical and that we can be connected to each other in other ways and loving each other in ways that, that might look different than what we want them to be or how we imagine them to be, but that it's still there. Right. That's awesome. That's really good. Well, Elizabeth, I have loved talking with you and I look forward to many more conversations with you. I feel like we should be friends. 
That's right. That's it. They're determined. We should be friends in real life. That's right. For real, real, real life. <laughs> real life. And hopefully that will involve seeing each other in person and not I just know. on the screen. So. Especially because we're actually neighbors. Right. We're actually neighbors. <laughs> we, can, we could go on walks together. There we I go. know. There we go. I know. Well, thank you for joining us. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing God continuing to expand your horizons and your influence and the way that you love, love the community. Well, thank you. And thank you for the way that you and journey, the community of believers is also loving the community. I love hearing, loved listening to you about all that's going on at your church. And it's neat to hear that so many people are on similar journeys and you're for each other journey i could just say that word a whole lot it's such a good word (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you thank you for joining us today on the journey now podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast